Hey, this guy is awesome. Dub runs a school uh, called, um, oh, pff, school, pretty, pretty basic. I love it. School of Kingdom. And the, the, the things I've heard him talk about is so great about the kingdom and kingdom over politics any day. Kingdom. God is, Jesus is king. Uh, so are you, gonna, are you coming up? Because you have his mic. Okay. So I'm really excited. Would you please welcome Dub Alexander? He has like, you have like 3,000 students or something like that. Is that correct? I thought you... 300 is, I'm prophesying. I'll take it. it. So we just want to bless you, and I want to say, man, just go for it, whatever God has in your heart for our church. Amen. Awkward hug. Awkward hug. Make it as weird as possible. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. What's going on, fam? How are you guys? It's good to see you. Uh, Thank you, uh, Chris and Carly, for having me, and uh, thank you, Dr. Tony. She was here a minute ago for uh, the connection. All right, Chelsea's got it. All right. Thank you, Chelsea, for uh, all that you are and all that you bring to the table. You're amazing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. How many of you know that the kingdom is advancing steadily, and it has been since the cross? That uh, we're actually not in any sort of a battle We're actually just dealing with consequences of, uh, of bad theology and lending our agreement to wrong thought processes for so long that uh, there are some issues that need to be handled. But it's not a war issue. It's a healing issue. <laughs> you know, that Scripture says that, uh, that Jesus won on the cross. It says that he defeated the kingdom of darkness on the cross and in fact, it says that he made a mockery of them on the cross. Now, I grew up in the hood, and so I've been beat up a couple of times. And uh, the only thing worse than getting beat up is when you get mocked afterwards. <laughs> so I love it that Colossians says that he has defeated the darkness, making a mockery of them. Not somewhere in the future, but on the cross. And so we have inherited a victory, not a war. That's why Jesus says it is finished, not it has begun. (laughs) And so if you have a mindset where you think you're in a battle, you're going to be exhausted all the time. But when you understand that you are just the healing of God... For every situation, every sphere of influence, all of a sudden, man, that pressure's gone. I'm not exhausted. I'm not warring. Did you know the phrase spiritual warfare doesn't appear anywhere in Scripture? (laughs) It's true. You can check it out. I I, I have checked. It's true. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The system of darkness, you'll never hear me call it a kingdom of darkness because it ceased to be a kingdom when Jesus died on the cross and defeated it. So it went from a kingdom of darkness to a system of darkness. There's a system of darkness, and when we show up, we are simply the enforcers of the already victory of King Jesus. And so... Oh, my goodness. 
the change that a perception, uh, a perception shift can make, a holy shift, if you will. Anybody? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You'll get it later. <laughs> can change everything. And uh, I was so interested with what God was speaking through worship and through your set. I was loving it. And the story that he was telling through, uh, are, are you the one that picks the, the lineup? Yeah, man, I loved it, bro. And uh, I loved how it ended with talking about, let's join with heaven singing what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we see Isaiah have the experience where he, he, he uh, is caught up into heaven, and it says that the angels are singing what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. glory. And then Isaiah is like, I'm a sinner. And I'm a man of unclean lips. And God was like, oh, I didn't see you come in here. Sin can't actually be in my presence. Because sin is more powerful than me and it dictates my actions. So I'm going to have to look away. And I'm going to get an angel to come and clean up your mouth and then we can talk. <laughs> that's not true. Uh, but that's what a lot of our subliminal theology would teach. But how many of you know that if God is so holy he cannot look upon sin that that denies the deity of Jesus? Because <laughs> Jesus didn't come like God. Jesus came as God. A fully functioning member or person of the Trinity. Father is not more God, and Jesus is like a little less God. <laughs> and Jesus did what? Hung out with sinners all the time. And he wasn't like this. He... What do they want to stone her for? I didn't, I didn't see. <laughs> oh my goodness. So the issue was... God was like, oh, you're a prophet, and you should actually be agreeing with heaven. So let me touch your lips so that it shifts the utterance of your mouth to agree with what I'm saying. Because you're actually in disagreement with me, Isaiah. Because I'm saying the whole earth is filled with my glory, and you're saying, but I'm a sinner, and I live with a bunch of sinners. The whole earth is full of sinners. And God's like, but I'm saying that the whole earth is filled with my glory. So let me touch your lips with the fire of heaven so you begin to agree with my perception. You see, God has this thing where he's always right. It's kind of a thing. So uh, I've got this battery charger here that's blue. If God said this battery charger is green, one of two things must happen. Either the battery charger has to turn green... Or blue is the new green. Because he's always right. So my question for you would be, during an era where there was a kingdom of darkness, and all of humanity was still in a fallen state, but during that era, God's perception and prophetic utterance over the earth was what? The whole earth is filled with my glory. Why are we waiting now, after the kingdom of darkness has been defeated, and we are new creations, why are we waiting for the earth to be filled with his glory? 
What if it's just we need to change our perception? It's already here. You said it. We're not waiting on heaven to show up. Heaven is here. We're not waiting on the kingdom to show up. The kingdom is here. Guess what? We're not waiting for the earth to be filled with the glory of God. It already is. Now, it is showing up in a different way than it did before. So prior to the cross or pre-cross, the glory of God was proximal. But now the glory of God is personal. Because you are the glory of God. Oftentimes in our charismatic circles, we can get uh, super infatuated with, and I like all this stuff, like when we hear glory, we think like the weighty presence, and we think gold dust, and angel feathers, and oil dripping out of weird places, right? (laughs) And I've seen all that, and I like all of it, but when God was asked to define glory, and Moses said, God, will you show me your glory? And God said, yes, and then he caused angel feathers to pass before Moses. I lie a lot when I'm preaching, but I always tell you. <laughs> that's, that's not what Scripture says. God said, yes, Moses, I'll show you my glory. And then a glory cloud passed before Moses. No. He said, yes. And he caused his goodness to pass before Moses. So God defines his glory as his goodness. The glory of God is his goodness. What should God be known for? His goodness. What's the glory of Tiger Woods? His swing. Golf. The glory of an individual is what they're known for. Their reputation that precedes them. What's the glory of uh, Michael Jordan? Basketball. Yeah. So God should be known for his goodness, not for his dissatisfaction with sin. (laughs) So how are we presenting him? Are we protesting what's going on, or are we showing up as his goodness to reform what's going on, to cause everything around us to shift to align with heaven's perception, declaration, and blueprint for what is going on? And so, when scripture says that Christ in you is the hope of Christ in you, is the hope of somebody experiencing the goodness of God, the goodness of God showing up. Now, how many of you know that you don't need the hope of glory? Because you are the host of glory. The goodness of God has joyfully taken up residency inside of you. And so when you show up, the goodness of God shows up. Christ in you is the world's hope of experiencing the goodness of God. So it went from pre-cross, the glory of God being proximal, meaning that it was available for anybody who would choose to agree with it, to now it's personal. It has taken up residency inside of you. But there has never been a time when the earth was not filled with the glory of God or the goodness of God. It's just, are we choosing to see it? Are we choosing to agree with it? Are we choosing to declare it? Are we choosing to manifest it, to cause it to happen? In a way that everybody can partake in it? I love to what you said, like, we're going to be blessed, period. Because we are citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ, meaning that we are sent with governmental authority from the homeland of heaven. 
to bring transformation, to make this newly conquered territory of King Jesus look just like the homeland, but our citizenship is not tied here. My secondary citizenship is that I'm a U.S. citizen, but my primary citizenship is that I'm a citizen of heaven. When an ambassador is sent to another nation, they don't become a citizen of that nation. Their citizenry continues to reside in the homeland. And one of the reasons is so that regardless of what happens in the fluctuation of the economy of the nation they are sent to, it does not affect the ambassador. Because the ambassador's economy is tied to the homeland. So you can be sent to a nation and that nation's economy can crumble, but your economy doesn't. Oh my goodness. All hail King Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth. Lord over both. I love in the Great Commission that, that Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth. How much? All. Hmm. All authority. So that means the devil has how much authority? None. None. The devil is just an unemployed cherub seeking employment in your thoughts. It's true. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. My buddy Ryan Penny, he says it this way, that the system of darkness and the kingdom of light are both after the same thing, your agreement. And they are both asking you the same question. Who do you think you are? So we've got to have a shift in our mindset where we begin to realize the importance of ambassadorship. Because how many of you know that ambassadors are not a part of the military? Ambassadors are a part of the executive branch that make the decisions on what the military will do. So you, my friends, are not the army of God. All throughout scripture, the angelic is the army of God. You are the executive branch of the kingdom. So you agree with what God wants, and he has given you the authority of this dimension. When Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, therefore means because of what I just said, you go. You were commissioned. Jesus took all of the authority for this dimension, and he placed it on you. And he said, you are my ambassador. Therefore, you go and teach and train. So if you believe that you are the army of God, then what are you going to bring to yourself? Listen, the system of darkness and the kingdom of light are both after the same thing, your agreement, and they will interact with you dependent upon the answer to your question, who do you think you are? So if the question comes to you, who do you think you are, and you say, Well, I'm a warrior for Christ. Guess what's going to come to you? Battle. But if the question comes to you, oh, I'm an ambassador for Christ. Guess what comes to you? Opportunity for legislative authority. (laughs) And and that's way more fun, y'all. You see, when I used to... uh, when I used to, like, really believe in, like, spiritual warfare and the way that it had been presented to me and 
I was exhausted all the time because I was battling all the time. And then I was like, hold on, hold on. Did Jesus win on the cross? Because I think he did. And so if he already won, why am I fighting? Why don't I just agree with his victory and show up to enforce it as an ambassador? Oh, that's unacceptable. So let me call in the military, the angelic, and let them handle this. And guess what happened? No more, no more warfare. Now, I've got really good friends that would disagree with me on this, and that's cool. But when we travel together and minister together, guess who sleeps good? <laughs> I'll come down from my hotel room. They're looking shabby. I'm looking fresh. <laughs> like, man, I had a principality show up in my room last night. I'm like, I had an angel show up in my room, but... <laughs> Ambassadorship is sweet because it's authority. And the kingdom is, the kingdom advances through authority. And Jesus has commissioned you with his authority as his ambassadors. And so whatever sphere of influence you're called to, you should show up as an ambassador, understanding that with, with man, there is no war, no battle. Okay. Now you might bump into something where the, you know, the system of darkness is trying to flare up or whatever. And then you invoke your ambassadorial authority and you ask the angelic realm to handle that. Hey, get that out of here. Right. Cause you're the enforcer and you're the ambassador. Now, if, if, <laughs> and I say this as somebody who has like done the spiritual warfare thing and ward all night and like had demons show up in my room and all that stuff. Right. But they only did that because I gave them my agreement to do that. I thought that that was what I was supposed to be doing as a good, good Christian. But when I was like, oh, no, I'm an ambassador. That's not about me. Then it stopped happening. <laughs> you know, the enemy isn't powerful. You are. So as soon as you lend your agreement to him, now there's a power struggle. So I understand that God comes to heal the world from sin. Not to war against it, to heal the world from sin. You see, most of us have been taught that sin brings the wrath of God. But that's not what scripture says. The scripture actually says the law brings wrath. Because the law wasn't God's idea. <laughs> I'm definitely buying my own lunch today, but it's cool. <laughs> I'll just play it with you, bro. <laughs> I'm just dropping bombs, and I'm usually not this comfortable in my first round, so thanks, bro. <laughs> oh, let's go, let's go. All right, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the law wasn't God's idea. Moses brings the people out of Egypt. And God says, hey, all y'all come up, because he's a Texan, all y'all come up on the mountain, <laughs> and you will be to me kings and priests, each one of you. And the people are like, mm, pass. How about we send Moses, and you give us a list of rules, the law, and we'll abide by the law, and we will define our relationship with you based upon how well we think we are abiding by this law that we're asking you for. And God's like, all right. 
How many of you know that if my daughter, who would never do this, because this would never happen because we love each other, but if she had come to me and said, Dad, I want to have a relationship with you, but only through email, I would immediately say yes, because I would do anything to stay in communication with her. But every time an email came in, my love for her would grow and my hatred for email would grow. And the day that I could throw the computer in the trash and embrace her again would be the best day of my life. So the wrath of God came upon the law in 70 AD. But what scripture actually says is that where sin abounds, oh, snap. You see, I was taught that sin brings the wrath of God. Untrue. Sin actually brings the grace of God. The grace of God is attracted to sin because God knows it's the only thing that will heal you from it. So where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And what does grace do? Grace heals. Because sin is the disease that is upon humanity that the great physician has come to heal. And so we show up. I like the word infiltrate. We should infiltrate society, but not from a military perspective. But we should infiltrate society the way that a prescription infiltrates a sick body in order to bring the system back to life and back to fully functioning. Oh, my goodness. So when we sing songs about, you know, we will see the glory fill the nations. We're not prophesying that someday in our lifetime, we're going to see the glory fill the nations. What we're actually declaring over ourselves is we are saying, self, you must shift your perception so that you see the glory of God that is already there. And you begin to agree with it and partner with it and embody it. And then everything around you must change. Ambassadors are crazy. <laughs> because, like, so I do some, like, global government work. And uh, so I know some ambassadors. And they embody the country that they are sent from so that if someone strikes them, it's seen as an act of war against the homeland that they have been sent from. You are an ambassador of Christ, and you embody the country of heaven because heaven is in you. <laughs> Many people's theology starts with a belief system that God is in heaven, but the reality would be that heaven is in God, and it's simply a dimension that he chooses to manifest himself in a specific way. Because if God was in heaven, that would mean there's something bigger than God in which he resides. But nothing exists outside of the person of God. In him, all things exist. Heaven is just a dimension that is within him. And he has taken up residency inside of you. Oh, so heaven is inside of you. You literally, as an ambassador of Christ, you embody the territory of the homeland. So when we show up, we don't have to pull heaven down directionally from somewhere. We just release it dimensionally from within us. <laughs> we don't have to wait for it to show up. We just have to choose to show up. How are you showing up? 
Because when you show up, God shows up. Because he lives inside of you. When you show up, heaven shows up. Because heaven resides inside of you. When you show up, the strategies and solutions of the kingdom show up because the kingdom is in you. He is in you and you are in him. And actually, isn't it interesting that Paul, in speaking to some, some of fallen humanity who are also like pagan idol worshipers, he says, in him, you live and move and breathe and have your being. You see, everyone already exists within God proximally, but God desires to exist within them relationally. So the presence of God is everywhere. This is my, just my, my opinion, my, my belief system. I believe that the presence of God is everywhere except within the spirit of fallen man where he humbly waits and extends an invitation to take up residency because God is not a rapist. Everything, everything changed at, at the cross and everything changed at the incarnation. Oh my goodness. Everything changed at the incarnation because at the incarnation, that is actually where humanity and God came back into agreement. And how did it occur? Through invitation. Because that's how the kingdom works. The ambassadorial authority is to extend an invitation to do things a better way. An ambassador cannot tell a president of the nation they are sent to what to do, but they can influence that president by extending an invitation. Hey, this might be a better way of doing things. And so God sends Gabriel, an angel, to Mary to do what? To extend an invitation. But the incarnation does not occur until Mary says what? May it be unto me. I receive the invitation. And in that moment, the fallen flesh, the, the fallen aspect of humanity that was encapsulated in the egg of Mary encounters the seed of Christ. In the Greek, the sperma of God. And in that moment, all of a sudden, sin full flesh became God full flesh. Are you with me? Fallen egg of Mary, seed of Christ, sin, full flesh, all of a sudden God takes up residency within it. And it ceased to be sinful flesh, it became Godful flesh at the incarnation. Have you ever wondered why Jesus never sinned? It wasn't because he had more willpower than you. It's because the primary definition of sin, hamartia, is not doing the wrong thing, which is what the vast majority of Christianity, especially in Western Protestant evangelical culture, has been taught. The primary definition of sin is to be without share in. You can look this up. To be without share in, meaning not to have an inheritance, meaning you're an orphan because you don't know who your father is. The sin issue is orphanhood and lack of identity not doing the wrong thing. When you think that sin is doing the wrong thing, then you live your life. Yeah. 
did I do the right thing or did I do the wrong thing? Is this good or is this evil? Oh, see, you're still eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not eating from the tree of life. <laughs> if, if someone knows who they are, then their behavior will manage itself. And so sin, full flesh, and the egg of Mary, fallen humanity who did not have an inheritance became God full flesh in the incarnation. So sin behavior only manifests because of a lack of identity, not knowing who you are. Did you know the word sin nature? Hamartia fusis appears nowhere in scripture either. I heard that a few years ago, and uh, so I rebuked the Lord. (laughs) And then I studied it out, and I was like, oh, crap. i got to change a few of my messages. (laughs) Because we just made up this thing. And so sin behavior is just produced from a lack of identity and not knowing who your father is and what your inheritance is. So the minute that fallen flesh in the egg of Mary encounters the seed of God, sin, full flesh, orphaned flesh, fallen flesh, lack of identity flesh, all of a sudden encountered God. And God is the Trinity. Three persons in one being, Co-eternal, not one of them ever having existed prior to the other. Coexistent, meaning you can never see one without the other two being fully present, whether you perceive it or not. Scripture says, in Christ, the fullness, everyone say fullness. In Christ, the fullness of the Godhead resides in bodily form. In Holy Spirit, the fullness of the Godhead resides in spirit form. In the Father, the fullness of the Godhead resides in whatever form Father is. We don't know yet. (laughs) Father form. I just made that up. And I won't use that joke again because it didn't go over well. Thanks for being my test audience. Now, (laughs) when you catch that, now what, what scripture does use, if you find like sin nature in one of your English versions, first of all, it's a blatant mistranslation. And usually what they will mistranslate is that is the Greek word sarx, which means flesh. Which means the definition of sarx is fallen man absent of divine influence. So When fallen flesh encounters the seed of God, which is coexistent with the fullness of God, it can no longer exist absent of divine influence because it is fully influenced by the divine. Therefore, sin behavior never manifested in in Jesus's life because there was never a moment of his existence that he did not know who his father was. There was never a moment of his existence where he did not know, oh, I have an inheritance. My father actually owns everything. (laughs) Jesus existed in the fullness of his life with the full revelation of who his father was and what his inheritance is. So he didn't have more willpower than you. It's also actually a mistranslation uh, that he was tempted 
The Greek word there is actually tested. The enemy, because here's the deal. If you are tempted, that means there is something in you that wants to do that thing and you better overcome it. But there was nothing in Christ that made him want to sin. Because why? Because he knew who his father was and what his inheritance was. Satan came to test him. Because Satan was like, oh crap, is he the one? I think he might be the one. Is he the one? I don't know who he's talking to. Uh, a demon or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so he comes to test, test Jesus. Let me see if I can get him to serve me. Because I'm afraid he might be the one. He came to test Jesus. Now, what's so cool is that when you are born again, you are no longer absent from divine influence. You have experienced a supernatural transformation. You are what scripture calls a kinoskatesis, a new creation, one that has never been seen before walking the earth. So I went to a, a, a Baptist Bible college Y'all didn't see that coming. <laughs> it was a fundamental uh, Baptist Bible college, and uh, I was the fun. They were the mental. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I got sent to the president's office often. Because I didn't know you couldn't ask questions. But, uh... <laughs> oh, my goodness. <sighs> Kinoskatesis, a brand new creation, and... So in Bible college, the big debate was once saved, always saved versus can you lose your salvation? And we would waste nights. <laughs> and then when I came into the kingdom, I was like, oh, it's not about saved. It's about born again. Jesus actually didn't say you needed to be saved. He said you need to be born again as a new creation. You see, I can be walking along and see a piece of trash on the ground. If I pick up the trash and put it in my pocket, I've saved the trash, but it's still trash. That's not what Jesus did for you. You're not, oh, brother, I'm just an old dirty sinner saved by grace. <laughs> Cut it out. No, you're not. Agree with heaven. You were an old dirty sinner and you got saved by grace and now you're a saint. Now you're a son, now you're a daughter, now you're a king, now you're a priest, now you're an ambassador, now you're a citizen, now you're a new creation walking the earth. And so now all of a sudden that conversation is irrelevant. Once saved, always saved? What are, what are we even talking about that? I've been born again. I've been supernaturally transformed by a power that was not my own, and I am no longer the thing that I once was. And if you think I have the power to supernaturally transform myself back into the corrupted state... Good luck. You think I'm more powerful than I think I am. <laughs> you see, because the vast majority of Christianity is infatuated with getting saved and going to heaven. But the kingdom is about receiving the revelation. Oh, I've been transformed and I'm releasing heaven on earth. <laughs> you see, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the... And the vast majority of the church preaches a gospel about Jesus while failing to preach the very gospel that Jesus preached. Let me tell you some good news about Jesus rather than this is the good news that Jesus came to bring. The gospel of the kingdom. Come on. I love it that God is so unworried about bad theology, <laughs> sin, 
all that stuff, because he, he actually thinks he took care of it. He's like, I, I think I killed it on the cross. <laughs> Nailed it. Too soon. Too so- Hey. <laughs> hey, I ran that joke by Jesus first, and we had a good laugh, so... Jesus is funny, y'all. Uh, but Jesus thinks he actually accomplished what he came to do. Yeah, it is finished. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what if we begin to agree with the gospel of the kingdom? That, wow, the whole earth is already full of the glory of God. And now the glory of God resides within us. And we get to be full participants as the glory of God, as the goodness of God, showing up in every situation, in every sphere of influence, and beginning to agree with God that, that you are actually the MVP of every table that you sit down at. Of every room that you walk into, you are one with the one who knows all the things and he likes to talk to you. I'm going to say that again. You are one with the one who knows all the things, and he likes to talk to you. So you sh- should just be bubbling over with the strategies and the solutions of the kingdom that will bring change. Everything that's jacked up in the world, in my opinion, is because, how many of you know, one of the purposes of the body of Christ is to display the manifold wisdom of God so that the world can understand how things should operate. And because we have misunderstood, mismanaged, and misportrayed what God is like, then issues bubble up. But the good news is we're the solution to that. So whatever's jacked up in our, in our world is because we haven't represented God correctly yet. But we're figuring it out. We're getting closer and closer. And things are going to begin to shift and change. And we're getting our theology right. If you want to change the world, change your theology. Because if you're not changing the world, then it means you either believe something that is not true about God or you believe something that is not true about yourself. Because once you understand the truth about God and you understand the truth about you, you can't help but be transformation everywhere that you show up. You, you know that song, uh, when you walk into the room, everything? Hmm. When you believe the full truth about who God is and who he says you are and you agree with it, when you walk in the room, everything changes. Oh my goodness. Things are getting better. Scripture says in Isaiah that of the increase of his government, which is what? The kingdom. And peace. There will be no end. Of the what? Increase? Increase, 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 increase. Oh, of the increase of his kingdom, the government of God, and peace, there will be no end. And when is that? For unto us a son is given, a child is born, and the government will be upon his Oh, but Christ is the head, and you are the body. So where has Christ set the kingdom authority? The government, the authority of God will be upon his shoulders. That's you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. 
So, so when we catch that, when Jesus said, the birds of the air have nests, the foxes have dens or holes, right? But the son of man has no place to lay his head. You know the way I was taught that? Jesus was poor. He was homeless. And so you should be too. The poorer you are, the holier you are. Did y'all know Jesus was balling outrageous? That means he was very wealthy. (laughs) Because when he was a child, not at the manger, I'm sorry, Hallmark, but (laughs) scripture says when he was a child, the king makers of the earth showed up at his house. And it says they opened their chests and they presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, right? And I think oftentimes we have the perception it was like a a little gold flake and a young living vial of uh, frankincense. Come on. The kingmakers of the earth show up with their posse that was so impressive that Herod's like, who's here? What are y'all doing? What's going on here? And Herod got threatened because of the authority that the Magi walked in. And they show up, and they're like, boom. And why is this happening? Because God is going to finance the administration of his son on the earth. Jesus travels the world with, uh, uh, well, sorry, the world. Jesus travels around with 12 teenage boys. Have you ever fed a teenage boy? And they ate out all the time. How expensive was that? When they take his robe at the end, they're like, ooh, be careful with that. Don't tear that, because it doesn't have a seam. What does that mean? Gucci. <laughs> no, but for, but for real, though, it was like the nicest robe at the time. And so they were like, ooh, we can't tear that up. I'd rather take a chance that maybe I get that than walk away with a piece of it. But he became poor. Yeah, on the cross. Not all of his life. Because the cross was the place of exchange. Jesus takes his robe off so that you can be clothed with the robe of righteousness. So Jesus says, the birds have nests. The foxes have dens. I have no place to lay my head. Here's the deal. Birds don't build nests to live there. They build nests to reproduce. Foxes don't have dens to live there. They have dens to reproduce. He's saying, I have no place to reproduce myself on the earth because the bride had not been born yet. The church had not been born. And so in the first Adam, his side is split and his bride, Eve, comes from him. Jesus on the cross, what happens? His side is split so his bride can come forth. Now all of a sudden, there's a body for the Son of Man to rest his head on in order to reproduce himself upon the earth. and to invite you into himself. Oh my goodness. So listen, if you need some hope this morning, you can have some of mine because I've tapped into an unlimited supply. I happen to agree with scripture when it says that of the increase of his government, the kingdom, and the peace that it produces, there will be no end, which means that today there's more peace available than there was yesterday. And I just have to choose to agree with that. 
The world's getting better. And there has never been a time in history where more people are walking in the revelation of the kingdom, in the truth of their identity, and are being equipped with the prophetic, with the apostolic, with the evangelistic, with the teaching, with the pastoral grace in order to bring change. And so things are getting better, my friends. So don't believe the press. Press into his truth and agree with that. All righty. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. If, uh, yeah. Thank y'all. Good times. Everything's getting better. Let's go. So if you wouldn't mind throwing that, uh, that one slide up there for me. If you enjoyed uh, what you heard this morning, you'd like more of it, uh, there's a couple of uh, places where you can connect with me. First of all, on all social media platforms, School of Kingdom, uh, you can find little bits of heavy revy. Uh, School of Kingdom uh, is a, a year-long class. We've got a new, uh, a new course kicking off in January. Uh, myself, Ryan Pena, and I'm pumped that uh, Dr. Tony is coming on board. Yeah, whoop, whoop as a professor uh, at School of Kingdom. And so uh, the purpose or the reason for which School of Kingdom exists is to help people detox from religion, develop kingdom revelation, and be deployed into their sphere of influence to bring the healing of God to every issue in every sphere in the world so that everybody can experience the benefits of the goodness of God. So if that's of interest to you, you can just hit that little QR code and that'll put you on the wait list and you'll receive an email as soon as registration opens. And then uh, I've got a little uh, mini course uh, at kingdomintimes.com that will be taking place the last week of, uh, of November. And I know you guys are already rocking victorious eschatology, uh, but if you'd like a brush up on that subject that, uh, you know, the world's not going to hell in a handbasket, it's not getting darker, and uh, we're not waiting on a rapture to get out of here so that everybody else can suffer and burn up, right? Uh, then that would be a good course for you. And I think that was like 60 bucks. So anyways, check that stuff out. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, man.